This is Doing Good Through Food. I'm Alex Coffin, and today my guests are Hilary Courtner, Nina Mullin, and Lily Galef. Together, Hilary, Nina, and Lily co-founded Hilma, a company producing natural remedies backed by science. They noticed that while most products in their home had changed over the last few years, um, so that they could pronounce the ingredients and read about their sourcing and so on, when it came to the medicine cabinet, things were still very much the same as they ever had been. Um, brightly coloured tablets, sugary syrups, and so on, and opaque labels. So they, they looked for the products that they wanted, but they found that the natural options weren't backed by science, and that the products that were backed by science didn't hold up to the clean label standards that they wanted to see. So they decided to take natural remedies into the lab. In doing so, what they've created is not a drug or a vitamin, but a new standard, which they call the clinical herbal. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking to Hilary, Nina and Lily today about their approach to ingredients, scientific formulation, labelling, how they bridge this gap between medicines and natural remedies, and I'm sure lots more stuff too. So let's jump into it, ladies. Welcome to Doing Good Through Food. Thank you. Hi. you. We're excited to be here. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for making time to come on. Um, I, mean, I, I sort of touched on it then, I why this got started, what it was that prompted it. But I wonder if you could sort of, you know, flesh that out a little bit. So I, I was doing some research, obviously, and I saw each of you had, you know, va varied and successful careers before this. What was it that drove you to start this business? What, what moved it from an idea a, a sort of something that you'd identified missing in the market, perhaps, to actually, we're going to start this business. Yeah. Um, so I think we were all sort of driven by an obsession with this gap in the market, which really came for us around the product emergency, um, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, you know, I wasn't feeling well. Um, Nina had offered up emergency as a solution, and the two of us just were struck by how incongruous that product was with all of the other products that we had surrounded ourselves with. So, you know, it's brightly colored. There's a ton of sugar and fillers and dyes. Um, and, you know, we had really adopted clean labels in all other areas of our life. So we were um, sort of struck by that, that choice. And we brought that realization to Hillary, who, um, as you mentioned, has an amazing background in the consumer product space. And the three of us just became obsessed with this idea. And we noticed it, obviously, in the immune support space, but across other categories as well. Um, and we just did a ton of research on, you know, natural ingredients and the scientists that we would need to involve in um, in the, the business. And, and once we were able to really get those scientists on board, um, that was really the catalyst for us saying, okay, this is a business We're we're moving forward with this. So when, when you started to look into this, I mean, were you expecting to find products that filled this gap? I mean, was, was this completely un- unknown? Were there other people sort of trying to move in or doing things in this direction? Or is this, was there just nothing of this sort that you could find? Yeah, good question. Um, there, 
we see, kind of see the market on two ends of the spectrum. Um, on one end, you have the very traditional herbal products. Um, these are from brands like Gaia Herbs, Herb Farm. Um, they've been around really since the natural food movement started in the 60s. And a lot of their products are incredibly high quality, but they require a really high burden from the consumer in terms of research and um, an understanding of the herbs themselves, how to mix them and how to use them effectively. Um, they also come in tincture format or kind of loose leaf herbs, which again puts the burden on the consumer to actually create the remedy, so to speak. And we felt like those those products, some of which um, we had used and, and found success with, really weren't accessible to the more mainstream consumer. And then on the other end of this of the spectrum, you did have brands like Emergency and Airborne that were incredibly convenient for today's consumer, but they didn't have that more natural, clean label approach, as Lily mentioned. So that th there were there were and are people doing things in these spaces, but not in the way that that we aim to bring it together, which is obviously that more accessible. Um, and, and ever-present approach, but with the clean labels and with the research. So with the, with the sort of traditional medicines, if you like, the emergency, and I, that's not a, it's not a brand name that we have in the UK, but I mean, it's, I mean it's, you know, there are equivalents. So with those, those sort of very traditional syrupy, sugary, whatever it might be, kind of medicines, I suppose the question is why, why are those things in those medicines in your opinion is is the, the the sort of active compound within those medicines i take it is scientifically derived and the other things the the fillers those kind of things why are they there in in your opinion why 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 have those things sort of become part of the mainstream yeah so a lot of it has to do with what makes the formula hang together um, literally. So if you think about a powder that dissolves into water, if you add a sterate to it, it's going to dissolve faster. If you add a sugar to it, it's going to taste sweeter. If you add a dye to it, it's going to look brighter. All of which, um, when you think of the boomer generation, was very um, attractive. When you think about how foods were becoming more packaged and processed due to convenience, um, the same exact thing happened to a lot of these products. And so now we're living in this age where we're actually wanting to strip those things back and pair those things back, which is obviously part of the natural, the larger natural food movement, which I know you're very familiar with. Interesting. So you, when you, um, and you, you said in your you know your, your very first part that the initial move from from an idea to a to a feasible business you know something that you were really going to try and push forward with that that kind of hinged on this getting the backing of the of figures within the community. I've either read or you perhaps have told me before this that there was some difficulty getting to that point. What what was that? Was it active resistance to what you were doing, or was it just very difficult to? engage with the science community on this? Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't say it was the broader science community. It was more that we were three unproven people doing cold outreach with an idea. Mm. And so it was really about transitioning from the question that you posed of, 
are these people going to be able to change this idea and make it a business? That was what their um, question was to us. And did we have kind of the persistence and the ability to pull together the resources we need needed to really make it worth their time and their while? So it was really more about us convincing them that we were the people for the job. Um, And once we had their support, we had spent a lot of time talking and building the relationship in a way that actually has proved um, to be very helpful with for how we work with them today. So the the idea of a sort of a more natural approach to treat, you know, treatment and to remedies to sort of this space between natural remedies and traditional medicine, there's no sort of resistance to that as an idea within the scientific community as such? No, so for the people that we um, spoke to, um, that that they were very much practicing that idea and and believers in the the integrative health approaches that we were trying to to bring to the mainstream and make more understandable. So for for the people that we spent the time getting to know, that was very much in line with the way that they approach healing um, and their own practices. We also spent a lot of time talking to other doctors who may not have had the same perspective just so that we can understand both sides. Um, But it is really becoming more mainstream in the medical community overall. And that was one point that made us feel very confident in moving forward. It's just a matter of time before it's broadly kind of accepted um, in in the United States in particular. Mm. We're a bit further ahead. Yeah. So I'm sorry, I, I spoke over you there. Oh, I was just adding that Europe is actually farther ahead. Natural products are are definitely more at the forefront um, in in countries like Switzerland, Germany, etc. Mm-hmm. Have you um, had sort of made any contact with with people in in Europe at all? Do you have any connections there? Is this is this kind of a focus on the US? completely at the moment? Yeah. So as far as a sales perspective, we're only selling in the US, but we definitely have our tentacles in the European market. One of our uh, main investors is um, based in Germany. Um, and so we definitely, that was one of the things that we were we we're interested about as far as partnering with them, because we know that perspective is so valuable. What's the feedback been like or the reaction to what you're doing from the natural remedy community i mean like like you mentioned in in the states there is a on the on the other side from the traditional medicines there is this natural remedy community are they broadly supportive of what you're doing i mean is is the kind of scientific approach that you're taking to natural remedies something that would have benefits for them as well or is it is it sort of seen as more competition perhaps is it how, how do they take it so we have actually felt very um, embraced by the the more traditional um, herbal community. We're actually part of um, a trade organization called the CRN, which has traditionally represented all of those brands. Um, and I think that there is a general understanding and desire for people to have more uh, investment in scientific research in this space. Um, and I think that that's felt across all of the, all herbal brands um, in the U.S. today. So I think that it's been received really well. And I think, you know, 
continuing to invest in the types of research that we're investing in is really beneficial to all of us. Um, and I think that they feel that as much as we do. Great. Um, I'd love to talk a bit about your products themselves now, if that's okay. Um, you've got you three on the market at the moment, if, if I understand correctly. Um, why did you choose to start with these those three? Yeah, we do have three products. Um, they are immune support, upset stomach relief, and tension relief. And when we set out to build our portfolio, we had a few considerations that we knew were very important to us. One was that there were effective herbal solutions for the use cases that we were interested in. Um, so obviously, if there's if there's a not an effective herb or not good research on natural products in a specific category, that eliminates it right off the bat. Um, and the other considerations were really around what is broadly used and what has a low barrier to trial. In terms of broad uses, we're looking at what is what affects both men and women. What affects people of different ages? Um, is this something that a lot of people just tend to have in their home uh, and replenish from time to time? Are they used often? Um, and so, all of those kind of considerations helped us think: what is a both a big market, but also something that. Um, affects a lot of different types of people. And then the second piece around barrier to trial was very important from a psychological perspective. We are asking people to switch areas of their routines where they may be used to taking something since when they were 10 years old that their mother gave them um, or their father gave them to help them feel their best. Um, and so given that we are asking people to switch, you know, we do not want to ask them to switch in a very stressful moment for them where, you know, they're just reaching for something that they always know and always have tried. Um, and so that's how we kind of narrowed it down. And we're, we're excited about our portfolio now because we feel like these are medicine cabinet staples um, they're, and they're found in many homes, but they're also products that um, are easy for people to try. I see. And you, you mentioned just then that these, um, you know, one of the criteria is that the the ingredients, that there, there is a sort of a history, you know, of, of testing of the ingredients, but, and you're, but you're also engaged in your own clinical trials, which is, you know, a big part of your um, sort of value proposition, as I understand it. Is, is what's being trialed then really the formulation that you are using more than the ingredients themselves. Yes, that's exactly right. So as Nina mentioned, the first step is doing research, literature review to select the ingredients that we feel passes the standard that we've set for ourselves as far as existing clinical research for the use case that we're using. But the reason we've taken the extra step to invest in our own clinical research is because as Lily also mentioned, this the natural product space overall is lacking um, research that is visible to, to most consumers. So we believe in the importance of contributing to that body of research on our resulting products. So whereas many players in this space today 
are so like taking some research, only doing the first step, um, we think it is important to also provide data and transparency on our resulting products as a whole. And would would you say that's one of the ways that you're most differentiated from the other natural remedy people? You said, you know, it's it's quite a sort of a niche um, pursuit almost in a a way, you know, if people have to, to essentially do their own formulations from tinctures and powders and whatever else it might be is is that perhaps the barrier that that your your product um overcomes you know the sort of way that it could become a lot more mass market than than those products yeah every decision point we think about how do we make this an easier choice for the consumer and the mass market or just anyone who's interested in participating in in these options um, and so investing in this clinical research is certainly one thing that we've been very thoughtful about and we believe will provide that extra level of trust to the consumer that might be you know questioning whether or not it's worth a try. Um, so that and creating a brand that really speaks to that consumer in a way that they are used to being spoken to in other categories in a way that is clear and transparent are both really forefront for us. Okay, I understand. One one question or one one sort of area I was really interested in is how far removed the products are from the ingredients at the end of your process. And I, I suppose I asked that because lots of you know traditional medicines however you want to you know refer to them are derived at least sort of partially from natural ingredients at some point you know they might supporters of those medicines might say that they're not so different perhaps they would i don't know is does that hold any kind of weight with you at all is is there any the ingredients that are in your medicines, are they very, very different to what's in, sorry, in your products are very different to what's in traditional medicines? Yeah. So um, our products are basically ground up plants um, and it is quite different than a lot of the conventional alternatives or options on the market today. Um, We source all of the herbs in our products using an amazing expert who has traveled around the world for his entire career, visiting farms um, and learning about how herbs are best grown, farmed, and sourced. Um, So that is who we use to actually source all of our raw materials. We do include some minerals in our products like zinc, magnesium, um, which many people are deficient in. And we are um, considered an herbal supplement. So these are helping people supplement their diets. Um, So deficiencies, we definitely take into account like broader population deficiencies. And in terms of um, the blending process, we test all of our raw materials once they arrive in our manufacturing facility through four rounds of testing through independent labs in order to ensure that they are the highest quality um, that they can be. And it's, it's really cool because we're now starting to get customer feedback that they love the fact that they can tell that there's actually turmeric in our immune support powder because it is bright orange and they can see it kind of floating to the top. And, um, you know, those, I think those natural ingredients really come through in the finished product as well. And people note that it is different than what they're used to. I see. Um, 
maybe we could talk a little bit more about this about the science um because there's i mean you you describe your self at, at, as natural remedies backed by science i think that's the that's the um the quote if you like. i think that, i think that's the one but what what that's does it. that's it what does when you say backed by science i mean what does that mean to you great question um, so when we think about the term backed by science, we really support that in three key ways. Um, the first is our amazing scientific advisory board, um, who, um, you know, as we've mentioned, we put together over the course of two years, really vetting different options and making sure that we have um, a really rounded out, spectacular group of people, um, a mix of MDs, scientists, and herbalists. Um, and they formulate all of our products with us. The second, um, which goes hand in hand with the first, is that we only use ingredients in our products that have a wealth of clinical research behind them in the use case that we're using them for. Um, so, you know, we're not going to be bringing a trendy new ingredient to market. We're really focused on natural ingredients that are tried and true, both in historical use, but that also have support um, from the scientific community. Um, and then the third piece is that we are running our own clinical studies on each of our unique formulations, which, as we mentioned, is, is really a huge differentiator for us and is above and beyond what is required of us um, in our category. So those are sort of like the core, the core tenets to that uh, backed by science philosophy. Um, like you say, it's, I mean, it's, it's a philosophy and I suppose there's, you know, you, you, like you said, you're going above and beyond what you are required to do. Do you, do you see ex examples of people using, you know, backed by science or a similar sort of phrase to, um, sort of using it without, without going through the same sort of rigorous processes you have, you know, do, and, and if you do, is that, does that make it difficult to then, you know, to, to get the credibility of, of what you're doing for properly recognized. Yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> on the head, um, there's certainly a lot of that today and a lot of misinformation, mm -hmm. a lot of distrust from the consumer, um, because of, you know, the word science being used very liberally without kind of a follow-up explanation. Um, and mm. Even in our own development of this strategy, which we're very proud of and we take very seriously and pursue earnestly, um, mm -hmm. we pose the question to ourselves of like, how much will consumers even care? Because there's been sort of this um, overtime erosion of what kind of science means. And so we hope that we can actually capture the attention to provide the follow-up explanation. Um, but I think that you you articulated it perfectly. Um, there is a lot of that going around and it does make our jobs a little harder, but we still believe in doing it. Well, absolutely. No, that's, it's, um, I mean, I you see a lot of things, I suppose there'd be similarities to something like greenwashing, you know, as a kind of, um, do you, with bigger companies jumping on this sort of thing, do you, do you see larger pharma companies, for example, sort of making a nod towards natural ingredients and those sorts of things in, is there any, any examples of that sort of thing happening? People creeping into the, 
to what you're, you know, this this area that you're trying to do honestly, but doing it in a less honest way? I think there are. Um, you know, it depends on the brand and the category, but we definitely see um, vitamin C, for example, being um, one of the categories that we play in, um, melatonin being a category that we don't play in in the sleep category yet. But there are a lot of, as these as these supplements and as these ingredients become more popular and more asked for by consumers, there are people trying to jump on the bandwagon and jump on the trend. And um, melatonin, for example, is can come from natural sources, um, actually from herbs themselves, or can be synthetic. Um, mm-hmm. Same thing with vitamin C. We see a lot of brands kind of leaning into the citrus angle. And when you look at the back of their label, they're actually using a completely synthetic source of vitamin C as opposed to a whole food source, which is what we use from camu camu berry. So there definitely is an aspect of natural washing (laughs) um, Mm. that's going on in the industry right now. I mean, is, is there a way for casual consumers to get, you know, navigate their way through this? Is it so, you know, it's like we sort of said said a few times. It's this natural remedies. <clears throat> there is this. It's a bit of a niche interest in a way because of the level of uh, understanding that that's required to to form. You know, essentially make your own formulations, and this is a, a part of what you're looking to to answer. But I mean, is there? It was sort of, I suppose what I'm asking is: is there a way of advice that you can give or you know for people just to spot those sorts of things those kind of chemical versions of things that are supposed to look natural is it, is it just a case of scrutinizing the back of boxes or is is there anything that is easier easier to do than that yes well i the the first piece of advice that i would give is just to always read your labels um and we actually uh, are are doing our best to make that process easier for consumers by um, creating a a checklist of no list ingredients, i.e. ingredients that we have committed to never including in our products. Um, And we have sort of categorized those into a few different categories and and made it really simple for people to take a look at on our website and on our social media so that if they're, you know, passing through, um, you know, the -the over-the-counter aisle, they can do a sweep for um, any sort of suspicious ingredients. Um, I think that to Nina's point about quote unquote natural washing. I think that the front of a of a product is a place where you'll see words like natural kind of thrown around um, or names of different ingredients like vitamin C that, you know, the average consumer would think, oh, vitamin C, that's natural. Um, but when you turn the label around, you can sort of see um, very clearly what's actually in the product. Um, and what I think is really great about our product is the, um, the ingredients on the back of the label are the same as the ingredients on the front of the label. And it's really simple to sort of understand what's in, what's in the products. That's really good advice. I mean, do you, do you think there's a place for, um, kind of accreditation or something to that effect? I don't know whether, you know, more regulation in is a useful thing, but I mean, is that, is that something that's talked about or that, that you would, welcome? 
Definitely. I think that regulation in this industry um, is actually pretty misunderstood by the general consumer. There is quite a bit of regulation in the supplement industry today. The problem is, is that there are, it is the ingredients that are used and what is popular is constantly evolving. And we see that with CBD today, for example. I'm sure you have noticed that CBD is popping up in many different places, um, some of which are well-researched, some of which are not. The FDA is working to develop their own regulation and perspective around CBD. Um, And so until they do so, um, you know, we would never consider putting it in in one of our products. But there there is regulation. And I think that um, a call for more can only be good. It makes it easier for the good brands to rise to the top. Um, and, and easier for kind of the bad ones to be siphoned off. I see. I was just wondering the, I mean, most of what we talked about today and, and it seems most of the focus of the brand is on the, the clarity of the ingredients about, about this sort of honest communication with the customer and, and sort of making it clear what people are buying. I understand from what I've, I've seen of you, of your, um, marketing information that, uh, sustainability and and those things are also important to you. I was just wondering how do you how do you source these sorts of ingredients in a sustainable way? Yeah, so sustainability is obviously very important to any any brand, any person on the earth sure. right now. Um mm. so we think about it in a few different ways. In terms of sourcing our raw materials, I alluded to this earlier, but we do work with an amazing sourcing expert who has a deep knowledge of where plants are naturally grown, where they're most efficiently grown. Um, That said, we do source plants from all over the world, which obviously does impact um, our own carbon impact as a brand. And so to that end, we made a commitment to be 100% carbon offset um, from our inception. And so we have partnered with the Carbon Fund to to ensure that we are able to do that. Um, so we're really excited about that initiative. Um, but because we are using plants that are grown in local environments, we try to source locally from the environments where they're, where they're naturally grown. I see. Fantastic. Um, are these... <clears throat> A bit of a tangent, but I mean, it just just made me think of something in food. There's there's um, a bit of a move in the UK at the moment, and sort of particularly in London towards sort of in, indoor farming, hydroponics, those sorts of things. Did did those kind of growing solutions lend themselves particularly well to the sort of herb, you know, medicinal herbs, those kind of um, the things that you need, or is that is that not really feasible or effective just yet? It definitely is feasible. Um, It isn't really happening just yet. And it's incredibly exciting to think about how that will change supply chains in this industry overall. Um, A lot of herbs are still grown primarily where they were traditionally grown. So for example, the largest world's largest producer of turmeric is India. Shocker. Um, And the ability to scale up production locally obviously would have massive impacts to speed of supply chain as well as cost and carbon impact. So there's no structural reason why herbs, because they are just plants, just like any other fruit or vegetable, um, could not be grown in those types of environments. It absolutely could. We just need the 
the people, the fearless people to go out there and do it. Mm. That would be an, an interesting development as well. Um, I want maybe we could uh, just talk a little bit about your your, your customers and <clears throat> sort of who who these products are getting to. Um, you know who who they are, who they're for, who you know what the market is at the minute. I mean, are you finding that that this is sort of resonating with the traditional natural remedy community, or is this um, are you are you sort of carving out a different niche do you think how how do you see it yeah we kind of see it as a hybrid of the two things you just mentioned it's definitely resonating with the traditional natural community but we hope that it's not only resonating with the traditional natural community and is able to kind of transcend um to the more of the mainstream so one of the the nuggets of our of our initial insight was that there is a new mainstream. There are people who are looking for clean labels in all areas of their lives, and they're also open to alternative approaches to health. So when we kind of think about the natural products adoption curve, there is that wellness expert, in quotes, um, who are likely our earliest adopters, but that's not the core of who we want to resonate with. Um, so we're hoping to incorporate a broader audience in that way. The person that either makes that decision for a cleaner label reactively when they're presented with an option on shelf or proactively looking for it. And you, you said your aim really is to get people to switch, you know, they're, they're getting to switch from some, something that they might have done for the majority of their life, um, to change, change to this, you know, change a really sort of deeply embedded habits, but not, that's not something that you would want people to do in a moment of crisis, I think was, you know, sort of, I think I'm paraphrasing, but I think that's, that's, that's sort of, as I understood it. Um, I mean, how are you getting people to trial this sort of thing? Are are you trying, is is it through a kind of trial process? Are you trying to sort of get this out to people in a, in that sort of, in that sort of format? Or is this more just kind of natural growth, natural word of mouth and reputation, that sort of thing? Oh, interesting. So there are a couple of questions in there. I think the way that we see ourselves relative to the existing options is another option that's just at arm's reach, um, we hope, over time. Um, so we believe that we kind of sit in coexistence with the options that people have habituated to. Um, and that it's hopefully an expression of, of things they've been looking for, but just haven't quite found it in our package. Um and as far as the ways that we're hoping people will experience the product, um, we're starting initially direct to consumer, which we hope builds this direct relationship with a customer and provides kind of an open forum for people to you know, ask us questions inbound and really get to know us and relate to us as a brand in the way that a lot of pharmacy brands today don't facilitate. So on the one hand, that is um, a way that we hope to inspire trial um, and, you know, build that trust and comfort along with kind of what we've talked about before, our point of difference in um, our, our substantiation of the products overall. Have you found that to be kind of a two-way process? So when you're, you know, um, engaging and educating these sort of early customers, are you sort of gathering feedback? I, I take it you are gathering feedback as well of some sort, but are, are you finding that influences the product itself or, you know, the branding around it or anything like that? 
Definitely. Um, so actually, we did a ton of customer research prior to even developing our brand or launching. Um, so we met with hundreds of people one-on-one. We did focus groups to really understand um, how people buy in this category and sort of what they're looking for. Um, and that has been crucial in how we developed both the brand and the products. Um, and we're continuing to do that now that we obviously have customers um, to, to you know interview those those early adopters as well and use that to inform our future product development. Oh, really interesting. Um, what what stage are you at with the company at the moment? Is this um, sort of how how early in in the process are you? We are very early. Um, we, as as we mentioned before, have spent a lot of time setting up the building blocks for Hilma. We've spent over two years developing our products. Um, and we are thrilled about kind of the time that we took to get that right, but we just launched. So we launched four weeks ago, um, and we are in that, in those early learning days, um, and have a long way to go from here. Mm. And what are the, um, sort of short-term plans? Are you, is it just testing and sort of consolidating where you are or do you have plans to sort of try and scale very quickly are you are you thinking along those lines um i think it's both of those things hopefully um Mm. we definitely are taking the time now to gather as much feedback and iterate as quickly as we can um so that we can scale quickly we're really, we really feel the pressing demand for the products that we're producing, which is so encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're hoping to kind of develop, set up the organization so that it has the capability to, to scale, um, but also kind of answer that demand in a way that um, will resonate more broadly. That's, it's, it's been really fascinating. I think we, um, what we tend to, to do towards the end of these interviews, just to sort of draw them to, to a close a little bit is um, have a few more sort of slightly quick fire questions, uh, a bit more general and um, just sort of fire them at you a little bit. I've not done this with three, <laughs> three guests before. I don't know if that's, um, I thought we'd try it. Perhaps, I don't know who wants to go first, <laughs> maybe. I can go first. This is Nina. Okay, Nina, if I say... In the context of food, if I say success, who do you think of and why? I think of Halo Top. Um, so I'm not sure if this is a brand. Does this brand exist in the U- in the UK? I don't think so, no. What, what is that? It is a healthier ice cream brand. Um, so they've kind of taken the US market by storm by creating pints of ice cream that only have like 300 calories and are low in sugar. Um, okay. so it's kind of, I'm a customer. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> okay. Okay. That sounds great. No, I've, I've not heard of that here. I'm not sure. I'm sure that would be successful. I can't think of a, an alternative either top of my head. Um, who, who would like to go next? Um, I can go next. This is Lily. Oh, okay. Lily. Um, are there any daily habits or routines that contribute to your success? Um, definitely. I think for me, honestly, reading 
a little bit of fiction before I go to sleep is something that I think really clears my mind and allows me to slow down in a way that I wouldn't be able to um, otherwise. And I think it's always nice to kind of get lost in a story right before you go to sleep. Absolutely. What, what are you reading at the moment? Um, I'm reading um, Ta-Nehisi Coates's new, new book. It's actually his first work of fit fiction but i for some reason can't remember the title <laughs> oh, sorry to put you on the spot <laughs> um, okay so um was it hillary yes i'm alive. Nice. okay hillary if you could pick up the phone and talk to your 20 year old self what would you say to her mm, that's a good one um i like that question i would say it's like, it's okay that the path is kind of winding. Like I think in particularly with Hilma um, and the fact that we've able, we've been able to bring this company to life, it's incorporated so many varied experiences from my past. Um, and I know the same is true for, for Lily and Nina and your twenties are like that ultimate, ultimate time to explore and just try things um, that end up making sense later. So I guess I'm sure this isn't the most novel response, but just like keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> uh, it's, it's great advice. I think, you know, just, yeah. Thank you very much. The, um, I think we will, I think we'll leave it there. I think we'll, I'll, I'll spare you any more quick fire and we'll wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. But um, do you, where would you like people to go? There were you know, people still listening who would like to find out more about you or, you know, more about, the space that you're in generally is is it sort of go to the websites and go from there or what would you like people to do if they're listening in uh definitely would love people to check out our website um we're at hilma.co um and i think our instagram is also a great resource um for you know fun and engaging content and more information about our products so we're at hilma underscore co on instagram brilliant okay well I'll, i'll make sure that i link those in the show notes so you know, the people listening, you should just be able to click down and, and link straight through to that. So I'll make sure that's there for you. Um, thank you very much for your time, Hilary, Nina, Lily. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, and I've, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thanks so thank much. You. Thank, thank you. you.